0: Welcome to the Daily Woven Podcast. I am your host, Casey Dowell. This is the podcast all about making with fiber and the sheep who grow the wool we love to create with. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to episode 11. This week, you will hear all about Ellie Mocker's Flock of Hog Island Sheep at Holly Hill Ranch in Brandywine, Maryland. Ellie has a passion for raising animals that are listed as critical on the Livestock Conservancy's conservation priority list. So along with her hog islands, she has different breeds of poultry from the critical list as well. Hog islands are a really special sheep with a neat history. And I can't wait for you to hear all about Ellie's flock and the neat way that she got interested in raising sheep. So go grab some tea or coffee and your latest fiber project and let's jump into the interview. Hi there, Ellie. Thank you for taking your time to come on the podcast today.
1: Oh, sure. Nice to meet you.
0: Now, Ellie raises hog island sheep at her farm, Holly Hill Ranch, along with other heritage breeds of livestock. So, Ellie, if you would like to share a little bit about yourself and all the heritage breeds of livestock that you currently have.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, we're in Brandywine, Maryland, and we, I tried to pick all the animals I raise off the Livestock Conservancy's critical list. So we have the Hog Island sheep, and I have Beltsville small white turkeys, uh, Roman geese, cotton patch geese, uh, Holland chickens, Nanking chickens, and just this year I got Saxony ducks, and um, I hope that's enough for now. We're going with the smaller animals, so no no uh, hogs or, or cattle. All our livestock are, are really nice, though. We I really like uh, to diversify our pastures, so I have the geese to kind of co-pasture with the sheep and sort of help with the parasite problems, and it seems to be a successful way for us to manage our pastures.
0: That's really cool that you use the geese, because I've heard with chickens with sheep, but I hadn't heard geese before.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I really like geese. They they have this reputation as being really sort of angry and Yes, I have gotten bit before, but um they're they're very smart animals, and they're very observant and they learn and they I, I don't rotate them with my sheep because they'll mess up the water system, but uh, i I put them through after, mm-hmm. and they you know they graze grass they're mostly grass eaters, so they'll pick up the sheep parasites and you know, they're a dead-end host, so it kind of helps us control without using deworming, like chemical dewormers. Mm -hmm. And um, in Maryland here, it's uh, hot, humid summers, and the parasites can get pretty bad. I had a bad year, and so now I'm I'm rotating different species through.
0: Yeah. Now, how did you originally get started with wanting with raising livestock in the hog islands and did you have a livestock background before
1: um we we started um I got the sheep first and then it just sort of snowballed from there um i love I love raising all animals so we started with just a trio of hog Island from a couple different breeders and then I then it was five and then it was seven and then I kept the lambs and then and then and then I got the, the turkeys next. And they're, they're a really fun animal to raise, too. I really, I really love my turkeys. It sounds like a, like a silly thing, but they're friendly, very hearty, and easy keepers. And you know, we keep the sheep for their wool and for their meat. And all of our animals are sort of dual-purpose animals. Everybody works on our farm.
0: <laughs> and what got you interested in getting sheep? I was interested in getting sheep
1: because um, I have a love of wool, and first started when my son—he's four now. When he was a baby, I cloth diapered him, and I was just amazed by the quality of the characteristics of wool, just the fiber itself. It's such an amazing sort of—I don't know—miracle fiber. Really, it can do everything. You know, it absorbs perspiration, sweat. Um, You can wear it in the summer, and it feels kind of You know, it's not hot next to your skin and it breathes. So if baby has a wet diaper, it kind of helps evaporate the moisture away from the kid instead of, you know, you might get a rash from a a commercial diaper Mm -hmm. and it's flame resistant. You know, it doesn't, it's hard to burn. You'd have to really throw it into a raging fire for it to burn. And then just its, its warmth properties, you know, it can be soaking wet and still keep you warm which is why you know fishermen wear you know traditional fishermen would wear wool sweaters and I've even gone out in a rain with my wool my like wool overcoat and I I don't really get wet it's kind of like a rain rain gear so I fell in love with wool and then we moved to Maryland and um, I wanted to get sheep and I wanted to sort of I don't know save the world so I wanted to Uh, preserve a a heritage breed of sheep instead of the commercial sheep that are all around. So we chose Hog Island because they're sort of native to this area of Southern Maryland, I guess you could say. And they're just, they're hardy. They take care of themselves. Uh, They lamb on the pasture. Um, You know, I'll go out there to feed them in the morning and, oh, there's a lamb. Someone had a lamb overnight, you know? And so I don't, they don't even like being penned when it's lambing time. So I don't, I tried that once and it caused them anxiety. So I don't do that anymore. They take care of themselves. And they're just sort of an all-around great dual-purpose breed.
0: How long have you been raising them for now? Uh, I think
1: three, three or four years now. Not, not very long.
0: What, what is your flock size at the moment?
1: I think I have about 25 to 30, including our, we had 11 lambs this
0: year. Are you, are all of them all your ewes done having lambs for this season?
1: Yes, I I just purchased some new ewes in February, and I do not believe they're pregnant. I for I usually in the fall I use a marking system so I know who's going to lamb when. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't you know I didn't know if they were open or marked, or so I don't think I think they're open.
0: Anymore. Okay, and do you breed for a certain trait? I know some people breed for fiber quality or meat quality. Do you have a certain trait that you're looking to breed for?
1: I am. Um always, always trying to choose like the biggest, best rams, you know, because we do breed, we do raise them for meat, but I'm also working on breeding them for finer fleece quality, which is kind of silly because, you know, Hog Island has this reputation as being a terrible wool breed and uh, I won't lie there. They don't have the best wool. But I am trying to get longer staple length. That's a that's an issue with the hog island. And well, it's also not an issue because they were a wild breed and you don't want this ginormous wooled, you know, sheep running around an island by itself because it will, you know, no one's there to shear it. So they did adapt that way on right. purpose. And that's a quality that some people prize. But I, I'm a hand spinner and I I like wool. Um you know, as a Mm craft. So I've been breeding towards finer fleeces in my rams. I actually did micron testing a year or two ago and my rams had around 26, 27 microns, which is nothing like a Merino, but that's, we're getting there.
0: Yeah, that's good. What is their average staple length?
1: Uh, The thing about Hog Island is they're so variable. They're just, I have just about every kind of variants of fleece like some have very long like uh, most people would laugh but about three inches is pretty long for hog island um and then I have one that's you know she's got like three quarters of an inch and I don't know I I never know what to do with her wool but at the same time she's a great mother and you know she raises her lambs and she causes me zero issues so I keep her just because she's you know she I never have to deworm her and she gives me fabulous giant lambs so they're just sort of all over the board uh, with characteristics, you know, there's uh, natural colored ones and um, some friends of mine actually have this really neat kind of gray colored Hog Island flock.
0: Oh, wow. I hadn't seen that. I, I've seen like where they're like the darker, almost like brownish black color and then like, you know, the creamy color, but I hadn't seen gray.
1: Yeah, I haven't either. And it, it, they got theirs from the George Washington's birthplace. And I none of mine come from there, so I just think it's neat when I go visit them. But mine are mostly white, I have five to ten percent black. I have a black ram, but I didn't get any black lambs this year, so you know.
0: Now, I've seen like how they're born with spots. When do they usually fade over time? Is it as their wool is growing in?
1: Yeah, as they kind of lose their kempi lamb, fuzzy fleece, mm-hmm. the black kind of sheds out or it grows out. So if I some of my lambs are two months now, and if I go out there and I kind of separate their wool and I look, you can see like there's this white line of where their new growth is coming. And I've had some that were born black, and I swear they're gonna be black lambs. And then six months later, they look funny. They look like uh, someone who didn't dye their, you know, they, they didn't dye <laughs> they their have roots. roots, and they yeah, <laughs> the roots are showing, and then they turn white. It's oh, my that is funny. <laughs> I think there are some other breeds of sheep that that have spotted lambs, and then they turn white too.
0: Yeah, because I know I just did an interview about the Tunis, and it's funny how they're just this bright red color, and then they turn their fleece turns into that creamy white color.
1: Yes, and I think the same way that they turn colors. I think that's how the Maya lambs do it too. I've never done a study on it, but they just slowly they just lose their spots. Although you know, when I just sheared some of my sheep and. They'll still be spotted underneath, like their skin will still be spotted. So some will have like black dapples along their back. Oh, but their wool still, yeah, they look too, They look so funny after you share them.
0: Now, I, I saw that you were sending some of your wool to a mill this year. Is this your first time sending your wool to a mill?
1: I sent some wool to a mill last fall in October. It was the Blue Mountain in Pennsylvania, and I... um they have such, you know, they're so busy because they're so popular. Um, I haven't gotten that back yet, but I ordered some, I said, well, you do what you can with this, you know, because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, great, Hog Island. Oh no. so, um, <laughs> But she's going to work her magic, and she's going to give me, I think, a coarse bun yarn, which is just really excellent, actually, for Hog Island. I've made some myself. I'm a spinner, but I, I don't have time much anymore to spin, um, but the coarse is really awesome for making baskets or rugs. You know, um, if you're a weaver, hog mm-hmm. island's a very durable fiber. It can take a lot of punishment, um, so it's really good for. I like knitting mittens, you know, like rag wool mittens, because mm-hmm. they you can put them on a little toddler and he won't ruin them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've heard they're like nature's natural super wash wool where they're not, like they don't felt.
1: Um, I have felted them before with needle felting. I've made wool dryer balls with just like the scraps you would normally throw away. I was like, well, I'm using this. Right. So it, it does, I've never made a garment with it because I'm not a very good knitter. But I have felted things like coasters. Okay. But it's very, it's very durable. Like it doesn't peel. Um, you can make things like slippers or things that you wouldn't want to use a real fine wool for. It's Mm -hmm. it's great for that.
0: And how is their temperament? Do, because they were a feral breed, you know, not too long ago, are they really flighty or to you, are they friendly? What would you say?
1: Um, I have known some very flighty sheep and I would say on average that my sheep are not flighty at all. They, they always come up to the fence to see me because, of course, they think I have food. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're very friendly. They're not the kind that, you know, would be a good pet or anything. But, yeah, they don't run away from me. They're easy to catch. I can corral them all by myself if I need to and, I can, you know, shear them all by myself. And uh, I've never had problems catching one where they're jumping out of your arms or, you know, trying to kick you in the face or anything. No, they're not like that at all. I would say they're, they're gentle and they like to graze and then they take a nap. And they raised, and then you know, they bought me for grain.
0: <laughs> yeah. Make sure you feed me. Yeah. What do you? What is your infrastructure like? That, like your fencing, and do you have any livestock guardian dogs? Okay, so here is
1: where you are on top of the game because I just got a bunch of animals, and my husband's like, "We don't have fences," and I was like, "Well, I'll get net fences." So that's what we run, and I haven't convinced my husband to set up permanent fences yet because. He doesn't have to move the electronet like I do, Um, so that's what we use. And I should also say we don't have a great predator load here in southern Maryland. There's not a lot of sheep predators here, so you know someone's got cougars or bears or you know wolves or something like this wouldn't work for them probably. But as long as the electric charger is hot enough, they stay in. And we do have a livestock guardian dog. He's mostly for protecting my poultry. I would just be so sad if I lost all my turkeys or my geese you know
0: right and what kind of guardian dog is he
1: uh Hugo is a great Pyrenees he's two two years old and he does a very good job and he has bonded with the sheep he's a little scared of some of the ewes because they've butted (laughs) him before when he gets too close to their lambs but uh it's funny he'll go out there and he'll lay and then all the lambs will kind of jump on him oh So, so they're not scared of him And he's he's a good boy with the sheep. And I move them around, um, at least land from our neighbors. And I move them around with little mobile shelters and little mobile watering system. And it's time intensive and it's not ideal, but it works.
0: Right. And we were thinking of using the um, electric netting. Our plan is to put the perimeter fencing around and then have the inside where we rotate with electric fence. But um, I'm curious about, did you buy your mobile shelter or did you build it? Uh,
1: We've constructed all our, all our things, or I should say my husband has. (laughs) It's, it's just um, with using two by fours, you make like an eight by eight frame Mm -hmm. and then you just stretch cattle panel like a hoop over the top and you put wheels on it and a tarp and there you go. And I can drag those around pretty, pretty easily by myself.
0: Yeah, that sounds really neat because I was wondering like what we were going to do for shelter because we don't have a barn or anything right now. And I was wondering if there was something that was mobile. So that's a really neat idea.
1: Yeah, if the weather gets bad or, you know, I need to bring a U in for lambing or something, we have uh, a barn that I can use. But in the, you know, we also have, I have two horses. And so they kind of get that area for themselves and, i I don't want to leave you know little lambs with with my big horse, right? so um the sheep you know they do better on the pasture anyways. they're happier grazing and right horses, you know they can get
0: hay any time of the year and what is what would you say the biggest challenge you've had with o- overcome raising sheep?
1: Um, I think it would be that um the biggest challenge that we've faced is probably dealing with infrastructure issues, you know, um a couple days ago a big windstorm came through and just all day long all I was doing was fixing fences or you know it would blow over one of my mobile chicken coops you know so I have chickens all over the place then (laughs) and you know it was just it was pushing all our mobile things all over the place and I think it was that was one of those really bad storms that swept through the southeast or it's just last year we had a huge drought and it was There was no water moisture in the ground whatsoever. So my electric fences weren't working. So it was constantly the sheep kept getting out because they weren't getting zapped. Right. And I, so I was out there like lugging water out to the electric fences and dumping it in the ground to try to connect the circuit Mm -hmm. and
0: just little things. (laughs) And it's
1: just constant
0: problem solving. Oh, I, I can understand. We got that big windstorm too because I'm in Virginia, so not too far away. And it's funny because it was actually a day where I was doing another interview and my husband usually takes all of our kiddos for a drive so the house can be quiet while I do the interviews. (laughs) And he came back, when he got back, he said, he showed me a picture and my kids were all excited about something and they were like, there was a herd of goats on the side of the road. (laughs) And sure enough, my husband showed me this picture that all these goats, I mean, babies and the moms and everything were all on the side of the road. And I'm thinking oh, no. that the windstorm had knocked their fence over. And so like this whole herd <laughs> was out. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> but yeah, I can totally understand the fencing problem.
1: That probably that very same day, we um some of my yearling lambs that I'm trying to plumping up, they were I use them to kind of browse my neighbors brushy areas. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um so I was using them in between a bunch of dead trees and it was the worst timing on my part because all these dead trees throughout the day kept falling down and squishing my fences and um, these fences are good quality so they didn't break but you know I had to go out there and um, my husband's trying to work from home so I'm out there trying to like move these big trees by myself and (laughs) And the sheep are getting out (laughs) or they're just looking at me like can I go home (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) can we go back to where we're used to (laughs) now do you find that they do good in brushy areas like you know they don't have to have that pristine pasture they do good foraging around
1: um they do they'll strip raspberries and poison ivy and um like anything they can reach mm-hmm. however i think their preferred thing to eat are um flowering weeds so okay. they're really great if you have a neighbor who has like a cow pasture or a horse pasture you put the sheep in there and they'll eat all the weeds and I'm looking at my sheep right now and I can see they've left most of the grass <laughs> oh my Nice goodness. green looking grass, and they've been kind of mowing down the, the weeds that have sprouted up. So then that's another reason why I rotate my animals so that we don't have to, you know, mow the grass down. I'll put the geese in there next and they'll eat the grass and they don't like the weeds. So the, the co-species is kind of uh, what works for us.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. And I'm glad you're talking about these geese. Cause I really, a friend of mine just got a little gosling and or two, and it is, they are so cute. And mm-hmm. telling my husband, I'm like, I think, you know, we have chickens right now, but I'm like, I really, I want to get some geese. And he's like, you know, we don't need no geese. I'm like, yes, we do. So see, this is another reason. Why oh, yes, we can be, Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I know. See, my <laughs> husband, he, he's all excited because right now you know it's turkey season and he he's like I always tell him like we need turkeys and he's like no I just go get the wild turkeys like we don't need <laughs> we don't need to raise them too I'll just go get the ones in the woods and I'm like no we need some turkeys too <laughs>
1: that's a that's so funny because my husband he's a hunter too and you know he wanted to go turkey hunting and I said why why would you want to <laughs> shoot a turkey we have so many you know You'll need to shoot one, now. we raise one, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, That's not the point. I was like, Well, okay, yeah, I wouldn't want to eat one of those though. <laughs> now that I raise this really nice heritage breed, they're so delicious. Oh, you know,
0: sure. Now, do you just have the one little boy? Yes,
1: we just have uh, one. Harold, he's four.
0: And does he enjoy all the animals and help you?
1: Yes, he's um. He's very helpful with all the animals. He's, just today we were moving the geese to a new location, new pasture for them. And so I was like, here, go around, go around, get the geese. And he's helping me herd them into there. They herd really nice. So he's helping me herd them. And we have a new new dog we adopted from the shelter. And he's a cattle dog. Mm-hmm. So he's some kind of thing like that. But he, he he's has strong herding instincts. So we're trying to work with him on teaching him to help me herd some of these animals would be so wonderful. <laughs> but usually he just gets in the way.
0: Oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> maybe he'll get there one day.
1: I hope so. I'll have to take him some classes.
0: Yeah. And I I saw on your Facebook page that you said something about maybe trying to milk one of your sheep. Did you ever get around to trying that? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm not really brave enough. They're really docile and and friendly, but they I don't think they really like me milking them. And at the same time they're nursing twins and I, I feel bad, you know, right. They're starting to get, you know, milked out and it's stressful, you know, nursing, you know, it takes a toll on your body. So, so oh, I don't yes. really, <laughs> I mean, I have milked them um, when they first lamb to get some colostrum and I save it and freeze it every year. Oh,
0: that's a good idea.
1: So I, I have milked them. It's, different than a cow though they, they have like smaller teeth, so it's, it's harder to use just like
0: two fingers
1: and with a cow you use your whole hand so right
0: that... yeah I, I always thought it was a neat idea but yeah I can see where it would be challenging
1: <laughs> some of them are, are actually very good milkers they always have these giant full udders so I think maybe when they wean their babies I'll steal a cup or two you know before they I, I, I hate to stress out their bodies I mean
0: right it is to be a mom <laughs> yes <laughs> I can't imagine I don't know how moms do it with twins like nursing them I'm like one baby at a time Shui is enough <laughs> oh yeah and then these these big lambs come up and they're half the size
1: of their mom and they always you know they have to go on their knees and then they punch up with their heads and they have horns you know now and these poor moms are getting like literally knocked up off their feet just thinking oh my oh, goodness, my, oh, my goodness poor Mamas.
0: So. you feel yeah you feel for them. <laughs> oh i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness
1: oh something else that might be interesting to know is that the a lot of the hog island have horns so you'll have a ewe with horns or a ram with no horns and um i actually prefer the horns because it kind of makes them easier to catch but
0: oh yeah you can grab them yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I know a lot of people like pulled sheep. I, I had some people who were looking for lambs and they wanted some pulled lambs. Well, you know, I only have two pulled ewe lambs this year. Most of them have horns and they didn't want the ones with horns. So, okay, well, I'll keep, I'll keep them.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's okay. The more the merrier, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, when do you notice that they have horns? Is it early on?
1: I think you can usually tell when they're. Just a week old or so, they start getting a little, a little lump where that little spot on the, yeah, the spot lump, on the top yeah. of their head. I don't know what that's called. So I had a, I had a ram with horns and a ewe with horns, and then she had twins, and one is pulled and one is horns. So I don't know; it's random. I haven't figured it out yet.
0: And did all? So did all of your ewes have twins?
1: No, I had, I had a fair amount of singles this year. I forget how many bad shepherd, but um. I, I'm going to blame it on the drought we had last year. I don't know if you guys had the drought down in Virginia, but usually the grazing is really good in like August and September. And I turned my rams in in September, but we didn't have any rain from like August till October. Have you heard about if you, if you flush the ewes prior to breeding season, they can usually get more, they'll have twins or, or, you know, you can kind of influence. No, I hadn't heard that. Usually, I've had some that ha- usually have twins, and this year they only had a single. And I'm, I'm going to blame it on the drought. Okay. And I, I also didn't grain them much. Okay. But yes, I, I always, I always try to flush them. But it was just such a hard year last year.
0: Yeah. Well, and before we go, I usually like to ask. You said you were a spinner, and you knit a little bit. So is spinning your favorite fiber craft?
1: Yeah, I love, I love spinning, and I'm actually doing the shave 'em the Save 'Em program. As an artist too, okay. I have a a lot of work to to go, but it's it's really fun. I like seeing all the differences in the fleeces and the characteristics, and I really like spinning Hog Island. I know a lot of people think the staple length is really weird and short. You know, it's not merino or anything, but I really like it because it's easy for me to spin from uh, like a cloud. You know, I, I pick it, a cloud, and I can just sort of grab some and spin it and Maybe it's just because that's what I've learned on. It's easy for me. The VM just sort of falls out as I spin, and it's it's nice.
0: Now, I wanted to ask, too, do they produce a lot of lanolin? Yes, yes. <laughs> See, I love that. I know some people hate it, but I love spinning wool with lanolin in it.
1: Oh, do you? I, I process my fleeces by suinting. Do you do that?
0: No, I haven't heard of that.
1: It's really easy for me, especially since they have so much lanolin. Mm-hmm. I just fill up a bucket in the summer. You can only really do it in the summer, which is nice here because it gets so hot. But you just fill up a giant Tupperware bucket, you know, fleece size eh, with water. And then you just dump the fleece in there. And in like a week, it's clean. And then you just, and then I, I'll do like a wash with Dawn mm-hmm. or, or some soap. And then it's just pristine clean. And the oil from their skin, like the sweat and the lanolin combined to make like a soap. And it ferments and it stinks, but it's, it's really, it's really clean and it gets all the grease off and you don't have to slave over a hot, you know, stove cleaning wool. It works really well with Hog Island and I've done it with Jacob and it doesn't work so well on, on uh, less greasy wools that I have some face Lester's
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it doesn't work so well on them because they're not as greasy.
0: Now, do they still, it, after you wash and everything, does it still have some of that lanolin left in it?
1: Mm, no, it's
0: pretty, okay.
1: pretty dry, but I, I don't really like it. Well, I guess it depends how long you swim it for. You can okay. probably play with that um, or maybe not do the dawn wash. I just like to know the funk is off before I start, before I bring it <laughs> right. in my
0: house.
1: But you don't have to use hot water, so it's it's really nice you know if you're trying to save money on electric yeah
0: <laughs> yeah I'm I'm having fun working with all the different breeds I'm definitely collecting lots of fiber and I'm like when in the world am I going to get to all of this fiber oh, Spinning all of it all. from the from the shave them to save them program <laughs> I'm like I'm going to get some roving here and this and starting to pile up and my husband's just looking at me and I'm like I'm going to get to it eventually <laughs>
1: I know our closet so full I had to I had to use vacuum bags That's my my husband's yeah. just looking at me going like you have wool everywhere and you don't do anything <laughs> it takes a while yeah especially when and you have hard, kids <laughs> yeah it's hard to spin you know my my son he's four he's trying to stick a stick in my spoke of my wheel and oh man <laughs>
0: yes that was my my issue last night was my toddler who's two he took a late evening nap. And so here lately, my routine has been, I get all the little ones to bed and then it's my spending time. Well, he took a late nap, so he wasn't tired when everybody else went oh, to bed. No. And so he's sitting beside me on the couch at like, first reading his book while I'm spending. And then he wanted to help me push the pedal. So I had his little foot was on top of mine and he's pushing that, help me push the pedal. And I'm like, okay. And then he started ripping the roving and then he started like trying to put his finger, you know, in the bobbin <laughs> area. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs>
1: I know. My son likes to put his finger on the top of the wheel just oh, so like, yeah. feel like, you know, go around past uh-huh. his finger, but he's like slowing down, <laughs> slowing down my wheel yeah. around and I'm having to tread a harder. Okay. Let's do something else. We're going yeah. outside now.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. right, well, we'll try this again later. <laughs> Before we go, did you want to share your contact info in case somebody would are interested in lambs or getting some fiber from you?
1: Um, sure. You can find me on the Livestock Conservancy's uh, Breeder Directory. It should be under Eleanor Mocker, and I'm in Maryland. Not many of us, so if someone wants to start breeding these guys, that'd be great. It'd be really great, because they, they need some good breeders out there. They're really great sheep. They, they do really well in some backyard homesteads.
0: Yeah, I feel like they're one of the perfect types of homestead sheep, especially like if you're trying to, you know, buying acreage or houses with acreage and, you know, they don't have that great pasture yet. So it sounds like these guys would be a good one to help get those good pastures.
1: Yes. And that's exactly what I was working on this winter. I Our property's an old tobacco plantation field. Mm-hmm. And so the soil is just terrible. So I put the ewes and the lambs on this really terrible part and, you know, I was feeding them hay and all the hay that they didn't eat, it spread all over. And then I, see- I seeded over it. And so all their manure and the hay is just going to put some really good organic matter <laughs> into that poor soil. But yeah, they, they, they do good, especially if you have poison ivy.
0: <laughs> that's awesome to hear that. I've heard goats eat poison ivy, but I hadn't heard sheep that eat it yet. So that's really neat to know.
1: They like it. They do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you again for taking your time out and coming on here to share about the Hog Island. Oh, sure, and thanks so much. I absolutely love talking with Ellie and learning about her hog islands. The hog island breed has intrigued me for a while because they are native to where I live, so getting to find out more about them was so great. And Ellie may have talked me into getting some geese. Now, if you want to head over to my Instagram or Facebook page, today's photo is a gorgeous shot of some of Ellie's flock. Leave me a comment on your favorite part of this episode or if you learned something new that you didn't know before. All right, thank you guys for listening. Until next time, take care and keep creating with fiber.